and it is Steve Vine's time. Uh, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, and can I say happy birthday, Buddha? Yes, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, we should. Yes. We should all say that. How old is he? <laughs> I don't know. I knew him years ago, of course. <laughs> he was a lot younger then. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, despite it being a holiday and the fact that um, uh, we should all be taking it easy, you're not taking it easy. We've got you on Facebook Live. Uh, the dog is in on full form by the sound of it, there, Steve. Yes. And uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to see what we can. We're going to see what we can do in uh, the next few minutes and uh, catch up on what's going on. What is going on? I know you've got something sort of fairly serious to kick yeah, off. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just want to say at the beginning because it's sad news that came in overnight. Um, one of Hong Kong's most, I would say, prominent lawyers, Gerald Jerry McCoy, died. Uh, he was only 64. He died of a heart attack. He'd been having, a pro he'd been battling cancer. I mean, he was a, 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 one of those people who, when you talk about preservation of the rule of law in Hong Kong, was definitely on the front lines of that. Steve, I think Steve be... so, sorry to interrupt you. There's um, something banging quite loudly. I don't know, is it, is it your knee on the table or something? And, and the camera's also going up and down on Facebook Oh, Live. is it? Sorry, yeah. wait a minute. Just, um, hang on, let me adjust that. I think we, that should be better now. We, we, do, we do have Steve on the line from uh, down, <laughs> downtown, downtown Sai Kung. Um, so let's just tweak the little technicals. Ah, oh, yeah, you're a little bit more stable. Is we that can, okay now? Yeah, we can hear you loud and clear. Sorry, you, you were saying... Well, no, I was just saying, uh, um, you know, it's very, very sad to hear his passing. Uh, he leaves um, uh, a wife and three sons. And, uh, you know, he was a major figure in, in the Hong Kong legal system. His loss will be very deeply felt, I think. I yeah. just wanted to say that because um, it, it is news that came in overnight. There's people who may, may not know that he's passed away. Anyway. Yeah, sad, sad news, and uh, you know, you know, obviously a very upstanding uh, part of the the legal community. So, um, indeed, uh, sorry, sorry to hear that. Uh, um, nevertheless, there's been quite a lot of other things going on this week, haven't there? <clears throat> there sure have. So, I mean, we we now have got to the stage, and in 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 many senses, thank goodness, where we're looking at what's going to happen after the virus, how the government is going to bring us back to, I was going to say normal, but that's a stupid word to use, bring us back to somewhere approaching where we were before the outbreak of this virus at the beginning of the year. And would you believe it? I mean, would you believe it? Over there at Numpty Central, they sit down and the first thing they think about is relaxing restrictions on entry from the mainland. And you think, really? Really? Right. Is that your is that your best shot in 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 getting Hong Kong back to normal? I mean, Hong Kong, as we know, in the last few days has reported no new cases. Over in the mainland, new cases are still being reported, including in the south of the country. Look at a map. Hong Kong's in the south of the country. And the idea that at this stage your priority should be to think of ways of making it more easy for people to come backwards and forward across the border is flabbergasting in the extreme. But of course, this is the Hong Kong government and the people they want to be able to freely travel between um, the two places are the knobs. They, they seriously think that somehow the coronavirus doesn't affect people who have been busy panda-hugging and waving red flags and running big companies. So they want to have a special exemption for company directors 
people involved in the um, closer economic dujar and the bridge to nowhere and the, the and the GBA and the, I, I've got some more initials I can hand them out. They're available at cut rate this week. They're actually saying these people should have a special free um, uh, subject to the normal conditions, of course, uh, a free free um, pass to resume contact. Now, I mean, I am all in favour of us getting back to normal, but surely we have to at least follow the, um, the evidence, follow the medical science. Hong Kong has a low level of infections and, and a very low level of deaths because we've imposed finally kicking and screaming the government imposed sensible controls now they're saying oh well you know our main priority is you know there's very important people have been getting on to us on the phone and they're going oh i've got a factory in in you know in deepest dongoon and you know i've got to go and kick that place into shape no you don't the main priority at the moment is to tackle the pandemic the fact that the um, specialist committee, the expert committee that's been advising the government consulted at all on these relaxations. Yeah. How do we know that? Because David Hoy, one of its members, said they hadn't been consulted. Yeah. I don't think he was asleep on the job. He knows they weren't consulted about this. It seems that maybe the, the only discussions were, were actually at the Executive Council and they, and they went ahead and made this decision um, you know, without that, uh, that expert advice. Yes, you see, there's a sentence which is deeply problematic. Two words in a single sentence, discussions and executive council. Who knows what goes on in that back black hole? I know their speaking goes on. The extent of consultation, I think, needs to be examined. We don't actually know that. <laughs> who, who does? Remind us, <laughs> remind us, how many people are on the executive council? And it's quite a lot, oh, isn't that, it? That, that's quite a good question. Yeah, to yeah, it's, well, it's, it's, it, like everything else in Hong Kong, it's got two tiers. So you've got the so-called non-official members. Those are the people who say yes, um, you know, in, in, in unison. And you've got the so-called official members, which, has, which are... Um, uh, bureau secretaries, um, no, sorry, departmental secretaries. You know, you know they, they, that's what you call Muppet 101 as opposed to Muppet 52. So mm. Muppet 101s are all there. Then you've got these non-officials, non um, all of whom are chosen for their rapier minds and complete, um, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you an example of who's on there. I mean, we, we know some of the people who are on there because we, mm. we hear a lot from them. Ronnie Tong, mm. Regina Hitt, who, 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 who specialises in saying, I'm a member of Exco and I don't agree with this, that and the other. Well, fair enough. I mean, good for her in a sense. But, but she, only, she only disagrees with measures that aren't taken strong enough to bang, you know, protesters on the head and things like that. So she's safe in saying that sort of thing. The convener, Bernard Chan, we know about him. <laughs> one of the richest people in Hong Kong, connected to a very, very prominent Thai Chinese family who own more cups of tea than you or I could drink in several lifetimes. Um, then you've got, uh, talking of rich people, you've got Kenneth Lau, the, the very dynamic and erudite head of the Hong Yi Cook. Um, he's been utter, known to utter whole sentences. I've, I've, I've never heard it, but I've heard reports that he can actually utter a whole sentence, apparently, without notes. 
Oh, well, I'm exaggerating as usual. Um, and then you've got some very other notable members. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Nobody knows who, 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 who shall be nameless. I mean, it seems and, and will remain so. Absolutely, it seems that it seems like though that the advice that comes from the from the executive council is sometimes taken to heart and sometimes wholeheartedly ignored. Well, I don't. I mean, you you know, I mean, in a sense, um, they're entitled to to hold meetings in mm. private. I mean, you couldn't have you you, you couldn't have, no no governing cabinet has a system where um, it exposes its its internal workings to the public. The difference, of course, is if you take even the US system, where the members of um, the, the White House executive are, of course, appointed by the president, but they are accountable to the Congress. Their, their appointments have to be ratified by the Congress. So, you know, this is a very different form of government here in which there is no democratic element whatsoever. Appointments are made by the chief executive. Obviously, she or he, she at the moment, uh, um, goes up to Beijing and, and kneels w w before the master and say, here's my list, comrades, do you approve it? Um, that's how that happens. Um, but, but there's no accountability in the system at all. In the British cabinet, for example, the cabinet is entirely composed of, oh no, not entirely. It's it's largely composed of people who've been elected into the House of Commons. It has, on occasions, I'm not sure whether it's true at the moment, included members of the House of Lords who aren't elected. But, you know, predominantly, it, it, it's derived from an elected body, which is the important thing. And the person sitting at the top of the body, which is, of course, the really important thing, the Prime Minister is an elected person. Now, in the Hong Kong system, the person at the top of the body isn't elected. The people she appoints to join the body aren't elected. The the appointments are made in Beijing, etc., etc. So, I mean, in some in some senses, it's a it's an entirely irrelevant body because all it does is rubber stamps what um, uh, the chief executive is told to do. She, in turn, of course, doesn't act autonomously. It's a right mess out there. But the the the, the really uh, interesting thing about the system is that in the highly unlikely event that all these executive councillors actually did have an opinion that was substantially different from that of the chief executive, under the law she's not obliged to accept that mm. view. I mm. mean, she'd say, oh, yeah, that's very interesting. Um, now now let's talk about paperclips again. So, you know, it, it, it's a dysfunctional system and we know how it works because it works as it works. And so, another. Mm. Oh, sorry. No, on. and I was just going to say, do, do join us on Facebook Live um, if you want to see uh, Steve in the flesh. Um, he is jumping about a bit uh, this morning, and his knee is going against the table. So the the camera's going up and down. So we're really enjoying <laughs> that, Steve. You just keep that going. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, we I'm did, overexcited as as ever. Yeah, and um, let's see. Um, uh, if you wanted, to, if you want to send us an email and uh, ask a question of Steve, um, morningbrew at rthk.hk. We are connected on the email, and we've got a few comments coming in. Um, and uh, Alvin, first of all, as is normal, uh, banging. He says question mark. Maybe one of the better known boys in blue is busy removing incriminating, incriminating evidence. Question mark says Alvin. <laughs> right. Okay. I, I, I think. I think I know what he's talking about. This um, is he is talking about case. Rupert? Yes, Rupert Dover, who's an assistant uh, police commissioner. This is a very interesting case and very, very troubling. So two reporters from Next magazine went to 
his um, house, which is located in one of the villages off Clearwater Bay in Saikul. Uh, this is a village where people are supposed to be, um, they, they're only supposed to live there if they're indigenous villagers. That's the, the basis of the land grant for this particular area. Right. Um, I, I, I'm sure Mr. Drover is a very fine person. I doubt he's an indigenous villager, however. So what they were looking into was whether um, there was a case of illegal occupation of premises or unlawful occupation of premises, whatever you want to call it. Now, this is a entirely justified journalistic enterprise. I mean, journalists are supposed to look into the doings of powerful people, are supposed to make sure that people whose job it is to enforce the law are themselves complying with the law. Now, we don't know for a fact that, that Mr. Dover is or isn't complying with the law, but it's it's there is reasonable suspicion if he's living in a house where certain conditions exist on the area and don't seem to apply to him. So what happens is they get arrested. They get arrested. And and the police say, oh, they were unable to uh, 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 proffer a reasonable uh, explanation of uh, their presence in the area. Well, actually, they did proffer a, a reasonable explanation. They said they're journalists. They presented their identification. They were still arrested. Their notebooks were searched. Their phones were searched. Their, their other uh, electronic data was searched. This is the police acting in an extraordinarily overreach fashion. I mean, I know they want to protect their own. This is police forces around the world always want to protect their own. If there is nothing wrong in that village, if indeed um, all of its residents are, are complying with the law, then good luck to them. But if they're not, and if you have somebody who is in the very most senior echelons of the police force involved in his very manner of living in an unlawful manner, that is a justified matter of public interest. And gosh, journalists are supposed to do their job and find these things out, however unpleasant it is for the people concerned. So, I mean, when you get to a stage where the police are so, so confident of their powers that they stop the elementary business of <coughs> communication with the outside world through the media, this is, this is quite, a, quite a serious worry. And can I add, this comes in the week, just, just to, mm. to complete that picture. This comes in the week when in LegCo a question was raised as to whether the journalists who were kicked out of China, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, etc., and under the order explaining them from China, it was said that they wouldn't be able to work in Hong Kong. Um, the government was asked <coughs> whether, in fact, this was in compliance with the basic law and whether the immigration department would, in fact, stop those journalists working here in Hong Kong. And there was an almost classic, classic reply. This was a written reply to the question from from one of the Muppets going, oh, articles, and accordance with, you know, cream, the press, no answer. No answer whatsoever was given. It's a simple question. Are they allowed? Are they not allowed? 23, 74, 74. 
Mm. Look and, it up. And obviously, it's there. And obviously we've seen the uh, Director of Immigration, of course, you know, concerning that story, um, recently elevated as well. So, you know, what... what, what uh, the what, man, the man what? With, the, with the great portrait of Deng Xiaoping in, his, in the middle of his office. Correct, yeah. He's, I mean, what He's message... a man who doesn't wear his heart on his sleeve. <laughs> you know what the first thing he said at his press conference? Um, when he was introduced to the great unwatched by... Uh, by the CNO, the chief executive in name only, he said, I would like to thank the central government for my appointment. She was standing next to him. He didn't even pretend that the CNO had any role in this. We know there is a man who is going to go far in the Hong Kong SAR. And I Go, guess Mr. Chang, I think his name is. You know, and I guess the question is, Steve, when are you getting your portrait um, of uh, the said high leader to hang behind you, so we can look at, uh, at you with that portrait on Facebook Live? Well, can I just say, I'm going to do something visual now. Can I just say, <laughs> 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 what is that you're holding up? For those of you who are on Facebook this Live, is, you can this see is, this is uh, uh, um, it, it, this is a a plaque. Yeah. Bearing is bearing he... the visage of Mr. Deng Xiaoping. It is. Um, it, it's actually a ceramic plate. It's about what? I... About ten inches high. It's a big yellow plate with his with yes, Deng Xiaoping. I'm obviously trying to get a bigger one. I, <laughs> I apologise for its small size, um, <laughs> which which I, I I bought on one of my very illuminating uh, visits to the mainland. I used to be an inveterate collector of what I call um, Maoist. Um, oh God! I'm going to try and think of a polite word for this. Uh, I was uh, Maoist junk, mm-hmm. and and I, I I used to have all these sort of porcelain women reaching for the sky with hammers and sickles and things like that, and I couldn't resist this Deng Xiaoping plaque. But but can I just say that that, that an order has been placed for a Xi Jinping poster, embroidered banner, and carpet. And I think it would look be great. Now. It would look great on your bookcase there, just would. right behind you. <laughs> it would. That's where it's going to go. I'm going to get rid of all the books because some of them are, uh, you know, complete waste of <laughs> well, space. Right. I know you've got the encyclopedia of wine behind your your yeah. red shoulder there, which is which that's is always useful to have to have. That's hand. what we call essential reading <laughs> by the goddess of wine, Genesis Robinson. If you want to know anything about wine, get that book. That's my tip for the day. We, you know, we're talking. You know, we've been talking about some of the things that, that are going on at the moment. Obviously, we're talking about you know this thing about police protecting their own with the, with the investigation into the journalists. We're talking a little bit just now about the sort of um, uh, uh, alleged, perhaps brown nosing going on by various members of the uh, of, of the uh, Hong Kong government. I mean, but is that a problem that is a Hong? Are those problems Hong Kong problems, or actually? Are those problems prevalent around the world? You know, do we not see these kind of things in other places? Not to say that that's right or wrong, but is it? Are we alone? We in do. This? We do. I mean, the only difference, and it's the it's the big big difference, is brown nosing in politics. They go together like you know, chocolate and ice cream. They're 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 a splendid combination, and they're licked very often. But the point is that in other systems. However much you brown nose, however much you, you, you ingratiate yourself with the bosses, you are ultimately dependent on the electorate to, to remain in office. The people can chuck you out. That's the really important difference between those systems and our system here, is that you, don't, you can't entirely um, rely on brown nosing to secure positions. In an unelected system, 
you can. You you need to do no other thing other than be the most supple supplicant in in supplicantsville. So, you know, yes, it's common, but it's it's really dangerous here. And and so, you know, who rises to the top in these systems? Um have a look at the people, the waxworks surrounding Carrie Lamb. That's your answer to that question. Not, not, not complex. So, in, 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 uh, oh, just we have a comment here from uh, Susan who uh, joined us on, uh, on Facebook. She says that she wants a, a portrait of uh, Steve Vines as, as her backdrop for her videos going forward. So, when she's doing, presumably when she's doing Zoom or something like that, she wants to have you behind her. Just, uh, Little passing comment there. Could it could it be with um, in glowing colours? I don't don't want black and white. Can... <laughs> in full colour, in full three D. Yes, <laughs> preferably large. There's a, there's a thought. There's a there's a worry. Actually, actually, it, it would be a good. I, I'm now now trying to be serious. It would be a good thing because if you if you've got children at home who are you know sort of sitting in front of screens forced to do their homework and what have you. You could always flash it up. That would shut them up over 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 seconds. They'd go, that man is coming to look after you if you don't do your homework. <laughs> There's a threat. There's a thought. There's a threat. <laughs> um, looking ahead to later this year, I mean, obviously we're now in April. These um, LegCo elections are, um, you know, scheduled for, I think, September. Yes. Where, where do we stand with all of that, do you think? You know, is, is, uh, are things going to be affected? You know, are we, uh, are we going to see these um, distancing regulations and so on uh, extended for other reasons than, than health, do we think? Well, ain't that, ain't that, uh, ain't that a point? Um, we've already seen um, this weekend that the May Day marches have been cancelled on, on the pretext of social distancing. We've also seen the police using social distancing to to introduce a completely new law, which is they, they've said, oh, we've arrested people um, who admittedly were in groups of four, were 1.5 metres apart, whatever, for taking part in a protest. Because, they, as we've seen, there's been some small protests have, have re-emerged in the last few days, because they gathered for a common purpose. It's very interesting that. If I go to a supermarket with 100 other people, we're gathering for a common purpose. We're gathering to shop. If I get on a bus with 50 people, much more crowded, much more difficult to maintain uh, uh, the correct level of distance between ourselves, uh, we would all be gathering for the common purpose of transportation. And the police say, oh, well, yeah, I mean, it makes absolute common sense. I mean, you know, we, we're sort of, we wouldn't arrest people for going to a supermarket. No, what they're saying is we will judge which are the common purposes we will arrest people for and which there aren't. So we've got now this situation where they're using arbitrary powers and have made arrests. This isn't a matter of theory. We know it's happened. We've got these very big anniversaries coming up. June the 1st, sorry, June the 4th, the anniversary of the Tiananmen Square Massacre, July the 1st, Hong Kong Establishment Day. <coughs> and of course, the, the, the first year um, anniversaries of the 1989 protests. Uh, you pick the date, it could be June the 10th, it could be the 19th. Anyway, there's a number of those in June. Will the authorities use social distancing as a reason to prevent 
public uh, and public order as a reason to prevent demonstrations on these events? And will they go even further? Will they do what Junius Ho wants them to do? Junius Ho, remember, is 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 friend of people in white shirts in Yunlong who carry around batons and was defeated as a district councillor in the November elections. Will they do what he wants them to do and postpone the elections in September on grounds of coronavirus, whatever reason they can dream up at the time? So, you know, these precautions against the spread of a disease in the hands of a politicised executive are very dangerous. Um, you, I, I was just reading something about Russia yesterday, the, the way that Putin has used this enormous pandemic, and it's very bad in Russia, to find an excuse to cut out all activities which involve opposition, people like uh, the, the, the Moscow Council, which has opposition members, has been dissolved for the duration of the crisis, things like this. This is what happens in authoritarian regimes. They will not allow any other incident like a medical crisis to pass without politicizing it, without giving it um, a purpose for their own political ends. That's how they work. And unfortunately, that's how they work here as well. So it is something, again, this is something that is affecting people all around the world, but um, maybe more in focus here than than anywhere. Well, it is. I mean, because we've, we've, we've seen... The the um, it, I mean this isn't none of this is theory. We've seen in the past few weeks we've seen the the arrests of the veteran leaders of the democracy movement. We've seen calls for the arrest. I mean it's extraordinary. The police now are supposed to be law enforcers. The chief of police is calling for um, a a university lecturer to be dismissed because he didn't like what he said. He's he's asking RTHK to um, uh, uh, close down a program he doesn't like. I mean, this is this is thin end of the wedge stuff. It really is. I mean, that does They're, seem to be different from, from other places in the world because I can't imagine that, say, in the UK, that the, that the head of the Metropolitan Police in London would be making those kind of statements. I mean, they obviously, they obviously make statements to explain certain situations, what's going on and so on, don't they? But they don't tend to make... Uh, commentary no. on things, do they? No, they do not. They do not. I mean, I, I fully defend the right of the police to defend themselves. They can say that what X said is untrue. You know, our version of events is this. That seems to me at the acceptable level. But when you take it one step further, this person needs to be charged. This person needs to be, um, uh, in the case of the university lecturer, he actually wrote to the head of the university asking him to investigate this person. This is not, this is not behavior, even in Hong Kong. I mean, he's the first police chief who's been doing this sort of nonsense. So I, I, I don't know, it's, it's a big, big worry. I know that Chris Tang was brought in to, to be a much more firm and obviously aggressive police chief. And boy, is he proving to be exactly that. He's filling that f- function very, very thoroughly. 
Now, um, elsewhere in the world, um, what else is going on? Um, there seems to be quite an interesting situation in the UK at the moment where um, the, the Prime Minister has, you know, obviously just been through three weeks of uh, coronavirus and, uh, and come out, luckily, um, you know, seemingly healthy. And then almost like a day later, we, we have this story about um, uh, he's got a baby. And that sort of somehow uh, <laughs> came, out of, came out of nowhere. But well, this, this is the Prime Minister to whom the question, how many children do you have, is problematic. <laughs> Most people know the answer to that. He doesn't. I, I'm sure he knows the baby because he's just been born. And good luck to him and his, his girlfriend on that one. Yeah. But, uh, it, 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 you, you know, I mean, I have to say that, that, that in the depths of this awful crisis, remember in Britain there's been an awful number of deaths and a very high level of infections. I mean, Britain may well be the country with the highest deaths in Europe, ultimately, so it's very serious. But you do have light relief because you've got all these extraordinary figures involved in the political process there. And again, I hate to be boring about this, but the crucial difference between here and there is they are open to questioning (coughs) over what they're doing. They are held to account in Parliament. And ultimately... If the public judge that their performance has been below par, they'll be chucked out of office. That's how the system works. Mm, mm. Here, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, we saw a reshuffle of uh, 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 among the waxworks, and, and this one went, that one went to be replaced by this one and that one who nobody ever heard of. But, you know, the people, the most unpopular people in the government, Theresa Cheng, the, the Secretary for Justice, who've got popularity ratings, just above those of Genghis Khan. You've got John Lee, the Secretary for Security, who is loved by nobody. And then, of course, you've got the Sino herself. I mean, these people, whatever they do, they carry on. <laughs> they, they keep going for whatever you, reason. She, she's still there. Would you, would you know? Would you know? Well, uh, Thursday mornings, as ever, Steve Vines is in the house. Well, in his house, to be perfectly uh, blunt about With it. With my Deng Xiaoping... Um, ceramics that's right and uh, 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 a, a um, pair of hunting dogs or something around your around your knees there i think by the sound of it from time to time uh, steve so <laughs> look uh, thanks as ever have a nice uh, long weekend and uh, we will see you back here next uh, thursday for more of the same thank you sir